Welcome to the Contain This podcast. My name is Damien Facciolo and I'm an advisor at Australia's Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. On this podcast, I am very excited to be able to showcase one of the Centre for Health Security's flagship investments in field epidemiology training. The ASEAN Health Security Fellowship Program provides scholarships for students from Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos and Myanmar to complete the Master of Philosophy in Applied Epidemiology also known as the MAE at the Australian National University. The program aims to increase the capacity of health professionals in the region to prepare for and respond to infectious disease outbreaks. And through these fellowships, the Centre for Health Security has created opportunities to build links between institutions and between health professionals. In 2020, we saw the very critical role epidemiologists play in advising decision makers on public health measures and helping to understand disease transmission. And today we have two epis from Vietnam who've done just that. I'm pleased to be able to introduce two of our ASEAN Australia Health Security Fellows, Nok An Huang and Harling Kwok, both based in Hanoi and in their second year of the fellowship program. Both fellows are in placements at Vietnam's National Institute of Hygiene and Epidemiology, um, which is also called NIHI, one of the agencies that has helped to build and to guide uh, Vietnam's response to COVID-19 and as many listeners will know Vietnam's had great success in controlling outbreaks of COVID-19. So welcome to the podcast and thanks for making time to talk about your research. Knock on. Maybe I could uh, start with you and then ask you to introduce yourself and speak a little bit about your journey in public health. Why did you decide to apply for the fellowship? Thank you Damien. Good afternoon, my name is Huang Thi Ngoc Anh. I'm a Master of Applied Epidemiology at Australian National University. Three years ago, I'm a student at Hanoi Medical University and my major is Nutrition. My interest in Applied Epidemiology began around two years ago when I worked as a research assistant at Hanoi University of Public Health. I have chances to work with senior epidemiologists who inspire me how professional they are and how cool applied epidemiology is. One of my professors introduced me the MAE program. Uh, at my first impression, I'm very happy and feel very good to find a very good and practical program that fit with my goal. Thanks very much. And Haling, I know you were completing study in Hong Kong in Hong Kong when you applied. What motivated your interest in the MAE program? Yes, uh, thank you, Damien, and uh, Center of Health Security for this opportunity. So my name is Haling Kwek, uh, and I am also a second-year postgraduate student of Master of Applied Epidemiology in Australian National University under the ASEAN Australia Health Security Fellowship funded by Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Uh, so after one year of studying Master of Public Health in the University of Hong Kong, I found that uh, the need for my uh, because the, the previous program is more about coursework and I need more first-hand experience and uh, in uh, work experience in terms of that. So the motivation that I apply for the fellowship and the MA program is pretty obvious. Uh, this is a great program, is well-known and the number one ranking uh, for applied epidemiology in Australia. The program offers great competencies and experience for students and worker public health preventive medicine and medical expertise alike uh, with a hybrid learning experience of both field placement and coursework, which I a lot appreciate. Uh, it can be demanding in field experience and it is exactly what I am looking for in the fellowship 
to actually get more first-hand opportunity working with public health sectors in working with government agencies that I like a lot from my previous study. So that's the reason why I apply. I should say for those listening to the podcast that the MAE program is a special two-year advanced research degree that trains the public health leaders of the future. Through the MAE, fellows undertake a field placement, a short period of intensive coursework normally delivered in Canberra at the ANU, and a research thesis on top of that. And as you said, the MAE is Australia's only field epidemiology training program. It's accredited by a global network known as TEFINET. Um, the ANU has run the MAE program since 1991, primarily for Australian students. But with DFAT support, um, the MAE has been open to international scholars since 2019. And our partnership has also enabled Australian epidemiologists to lead fieldwork and capacity building in Southeast Asia. One of the elements that makes the MAE so special is the partnership with laboratories, with health departments and research organisations across Australia and around the region. Health security fellows, um, like yourselves, are assigned additional supervisors to oversee fieldwork in country. And this mentoring and support is critical for the success of the program and critical for similar field epi programs around the world. There's a very strong emphasis on peer-to-peer learning among scholars in the cohort as well. So what have you learned from other people in the program, from your supervisors or professors and other students during your time in the MAE? Uh, okay, so uh, I think personally two main things are, are impressed me from others during MAE time. Uh, first and foremost, never underestimate the power of networking. It was to invest for the good working environment and support it college because we will stick many time away with them. So the secondly, uh, we should learn to say no. Don't expect appreciation from others at the beginning. Everyone are replaceable and uh, I think do less with high quality is better than many no great activities. Okay, thanks very much. Um, maybe I'll go now to you, Haling. What, um, what, what have you learnt from the program? What lessons and... Um, experiences have you learned from from others that have taken part in the MAE? Yes, uh, thank you, Damien. Um, there's of course a great deal of things that I learned and also continue learning from my time in the MAE. Uh, my academic supervisors, previously Dr. Philip Abbins, uh, who is the Afghan convener of the program, and now Dr. Foreign Vond uh, from Western Australian uh, Department of Health, uh, always with in support for both of our projects. Uh, uh, they are even the tiniest and widest idea that we have uh, during our field placement. They are very supportive and they are thinking the way how to elaborate it. Even with the geographical differences, uh, Dr. Florian Vaughan is always on call for our question and his goal-oriented uh, vision toward MAE competency sure keep both of our projects in focus while balancing the field placement activities. And I also learned a great deal of importance of planning and organizing research uh, by him, uh, from him. Uh, of course, we cannot forget to mention our field supervisors and the field placement of Nihe, where all our project take place. Uh, we learn how to work with uh, important stakeholders, how to integrate our projects with multi-agency research, uh, other big deal research uh, with Ministry of uh, health with WHO in Vietnam, with USCDC in Vietnam. Right now, we are deployed by the National Steering Committee of COVID-19 Prevention and Control, which is already a great opportunity for every epidemiologist out there. 
Um, thankfully, we also have our MAE20 cohort, as Ngoc Anh mentioned, the importance of networking and the MAE alumni. Um, they are very open-minded. Uh, they, have, uh, they have us a lot uh, from the first time we got to Canberra until now. We got a lot of get-together section to work together, even to share our problems and uh, even to write our cases together. And they also encourage us to speak up uh, we, if we have any problems or question with the class or with the faculty, uh, if we have anything, especially in communication with academic supervisor, which I really appreciate. Okay, thanks. And you mentioned earlier when you were speaking about uh, networking what skills and attributes do you think make a good epidemiologist? Uh, I think many skills contribute to good epidemiologists, such as uh, critical thinking, presentation, teaching, and other technical skills. And personally, I think communication and time management are the most important ones. Uh, firstly, epidemiologists are in charge of many ground activities. Uh, therefore, they directly contact with people in community to support them process health services. Uh, therefore, there is a large distance. However, there is a large distance between the launching and distributing good health services. Uh, therefore, good communication is key component to attract and convince people to use them. Secondly, epidemiologists are usually doing many tasks. A good schedule with clear priority is good strategy in the long run for epidemiologists. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, Haling, did have you found that that balance between technical skills and soft skills is really important in, in making a, a good epidemiologist? Um, yeah, sure. I, in my opinion, epidemiologist is the one that have to have a lot of skills that you think is very necessary, but quite opposite to each other. So even like you have to be very detailed in all and focus on the data and the trend, but you have also be very quick on your feet to adapt and to respond to every kind of emergency or event that happened in the area. Uh, for example, right now we have a new outbreak in Hanoi and um, it has been uh, in, in Vietnam and it has been like more than two months that without any community transmission and you can be, you can be deployed, you can be caught up like right now, right there in the middle of the night and you have to go right away. So that is a way that uh, an epidemiologist have to do, like they have to be in the field, they have to be very ready on their feet uh, to be there right away to set up the data, to analyze everything and to have answer uh, like with shock in the field, like within 10 seconds if someone asks if you have the question, if you have the answer right away. So I think that is a skill that uh, more to only the technical skill, but the soft skill is the one that you need uh, in the field epidemiologist. That's great. I'd like to give you a chance now to speak about your own research, which was commended at last year's Tefinet conference. Um, congratulations, a, a really great achievement for your work to be um, recognised at a regional level. Um, could you talk about some of the findings from your research into COVID transmission in hospital settings, um, Nok Ang? Uh, I fortunately have a chance to work with a project of investigating COVID-19 transmission in a tertiary hospital in Vietnam. We conduct social network analysis to study transmission patterns during risk outbreak. Uh, this study showed the potential importance of non-clinical hospital staff in driving transmission dynamics during COVID-19 outbreaks. These people are often overlooked during the initial response. So secondly, we demonstrate the value of social network analysis as a method for field epidemiologists 
to discover the COVID-19 transmissions, particularly in hospital and other closed settings. So you mentioned the, the non-clinical um, staff involved in the non-clinical element of transmission. Is that um, the people in working at the hospital, cleaners and administrative staff, but also people that might come and visit patients? And do you have any strategies maybe that you can work to reduce the risk from transmission with those people? Is it training or um, more information? What, what kind of findings did you um, explore? Oh, okay, so uh, the non-clinical hospital staff uh, are the key component, are the key uh, super spreader in this outbreak. So I guess the key thing is though that you need to work with everyone in, the, in that hospital context, not just the clinical staff, but the people who bring the food and the, the cleaning staff and in some cases also the, the people that come to visit patients and make sure that they're aware of the risks and um, that, that they're also um, part of the response. Haling, I wanted to move now to your research on um, the modes of transmission on long-haul flights. You also won an award at last year's Tefinet conference. Uh, so maybe if you could just explain for the listeners what some of the interesting findings you found um, looking at um, long-haul flights in Vietnam. Yeah, um, thank you, Damien. Uh, so my research uh, concerning transmission on a long-haul flight is one of the memorable, most memorable experience of COVID-19 in Vietnam which uh, draw a lot of attention to the magnitude of imported risk and border control in the early time of the, the pandemic. So actually we found one from one in-flight symptomatic case that returned from London to Hanoi, the capital city of Vietnam. Uh, we found, uh, we discovered 15 additional cases on the flight and five secondary cases in the community making this the uh, most infectious flight outbreak in Vietnam in time of non-quarantine or testing policy available. So um, um, from this one symptomatic flight that dispersed to 15 other cases, that 12 actually cluster within the business class uh, settings that uh, we found that the um, two rows and the transmission on board it actually can well travel beyond the two row to seat recommendation that WHO and previous avian infectious control guidelines that have laid out. And we are from this, even with the similarly low number of cases, we conduct uh, contact tracing for nearly 200 passenger and crew member on the fly and more than 1,300 secondary contacts in community across 15 provinces and cities in Vietnam. This is also the first time that we conduct an extensive contact tracing for all passenger and crew members. And that is how we actually have the conclusion that the transmission can actually be beyond the scope that we normally, normally do contact tracing on a vehicle. Um, so the containment measures took nearly two weeks to conduct, but um, to trace, to test, to quarantine every possible person in risk of COVID-19 exposure takes a lot of efforts, a lot of collaboration across disciplinaries, and the fighting actually raised a lot of attention uh, to the importance of pre-fly and post-fly screening, testing, and quarantine, because the symptomatic case wasn't picked up by the post uh, by the pre-fly or the post-fly screening in place, both in London and both in Vietnam at that time, and um, which uh, later later Vietnam actually adopted a blanket policy to test and quarantine all traveling uh, passengers from high-risk area to Vietnam in late March 2020 to compensate the need 
or even obsolete it, uh, the need of contact tracing and also the burden of financial and human resources for the activities. Um, yeah, so that is the finding of my research. And there's been a lot of attention on um, contact tracing and making sure that there's quick follow-up of contacts. Um, do you, were you involved in some of, the, some of the work or do you have any observations from Vietnam's, Vietnam's experience with, with contact tracing? Yeah, so actually uh, the day that we both got back from camera is the day that we found the, the symptomatic case was found. Uh, even though we come back a little bit late, uh, what, like five days later, uh, we were right away deployed by the National Steering Committee and we done contact tracing right away. So we have to do a lot of phone call uh, to all the possible contacts on the fly and also their contacts in Vietnam and know how the contact tracing can be very like complex and uh, hard working for all people like all public health workers uh, across the country because uh, people tend to move around mostly tourists they move to multiple location and we actually find them a third or fourth location even in when they in Vietnam so that takes us a lot of hard work uh, and we were actually on the front line of that. And even right now, we are also doing the contact tracing in Vietnam for the new outbreak. Yeah, uh, Vietnam's, um, Vietnam's response with contact tracing and community mobilization is, has been, um, there's been lots of lessons that, that I think other parts of the world have learned from, from Vietnam's success. Did you have any other reflections? Maybe Nok Ang, I'll ask you any other sort of things you wanted to share from from your own experience um, in the last six months or so, contributing to the response? I think um, the most important uh, we would like to share for the, um, from the Vietnam, Vietnam side for the contact tracing is um, it uh, uh, requires the uh, collaboration of many major sectors uh, involved in, from the beginning. So we work quite quick uh, to, um, to containment uh, to find the um, uh, to find the case and contact tracing for many other close contact with the case and uh, we zoning uh, it's not about the zoning but uh, um, it's uh, quarantine the the areas where uh, where the confirmed case were detected and other case uh, where, uh, and other place where the case is uh, going and contact with other people the process is quite quick and. Um, uh, require many, 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 many sector and um, jurisdiction involves. Thank you. Um, now, I, I wanted to sort of look to the future. You're halfway through the program now, halfway through the MAE course. What will be the focus of your research um, this year and, and what are you looking forward to in the future? Maybe Nokang, I'll start with you. So, um, in this year and in the future, I uh, would like to invest more time with the network analysis. Um, I'm going. I think it's going to be the training technique for the investigating outbreak in Vietnam in upcoming time. Um, otherwise, uh, Bayesian theorism and multi-level analysis are interesting idea for me as well. And you'll continue your work with the steering committee on on COVID nineteen, or are you going to start to look at other diseases in the future as well? Uh, yes, that's true. So I will continuing with the uh, National Steering Committee of COVID-19 and uh, maybe to cope with other um, infectious diseases in the future. And, and Haling, maybe I'll ask you what, what you're looking forward to um, in terms of research and work challenges for 2021 and, and ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so we both finished, I think, hopefully, 
uh, half of the requirement of the cost last year. So for 2021, we shall continue uh, to work on the last two projects, uh, which again involve the situation of COVID-19 in Vietnam after a year of its debut in in the world. Uh, so the world is settling for the new normal of post-COVID. Uh, we know now that it's clearly to stay and we as public health worker need to find a way to accommodate it to the common global health situation. Uh, so I want to focus more on the COVID-19 vaccination and how its impact on the resumption of health activities, healthcare service, other priority health uh, service in Vietnam and also in regional contexts. Uh, I also want to focus more on extra projects involving teaching and working with other public health officers in Vietnam uh, to share our experience of applied epidemiology and also the MA program, this fellowship, uh, if it's possible. Uh, and um, yes, we continue to work with the National Steering Committee of COVID-19 because, as you know, it's, it's here to stay. So <laughs> we're also here to stay to continue to combat it. That's right. I think it's very clear that good epidemiology and good public health knowledge are going to be very important for the future. Hopefully the program has helped build your skills and given you new insights for a long career in public health. Um, yes, thank you, Damien and Centre of Health Security for having us. Uh, we really appreciate the, the chance to actually share our experience of uh, working and being an MAE alumni, uh, being an MAE scorer for the first time in an ASEAN country and to share our perspective of working uh, between and being the bridge that uh, between the collaboration of ANU and the Australian government and DFAT and also a government agency like Nihe in Vietnam. So thank you very much. We hope to have uh, we have to, we, we hope to have a chance to meet you in Australia before we take the graduation. <laughs> yep. Thanks, thanks very much. And congratulations again on your research last year. It was great that you were able to um, win those awards at TEFINET. And um, I know Pip and um, Florian have been very happy with the work you've done. So it's a really, really great achievement and I'm glad we were able to include Vietnam in the program. You've been listening to Nok An Huang and Harleen Kwok, two ASEAN Australia Health Security Fellows on their experience studying the Masters of Applied Epidemiology at the Australian National University and completing placements at Vietnam's National Institute of Hygiene and Epidemiology. I'm Damien Facciolo from Australia's Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. Join us next fortnight for the next episode of Contain This. Mm -hmm.